Welcome, Bears fans. Uh, this is uh, Thomas. This is Jim. And uh, we are set to go for Bears scat today. Uh, we're two jamokes that watch the Bears, so you don't have to. And uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about the ugliness of the other day. We're going to touch on it. And then we're going to start a new little series, uh, start looking at the Bears candidates for head coach. Obviously, that is a big topic, and there's a lot to cover there. So we'll be touching on that uh, uh, through the rest of the uh, season. And then um, we'll visit uh, Purple Heads at the, at the end. And uh, so, Jim, you, you, wanted to, you wanted to chime in on some stuff from, from, the, from the Cheeseheads, right? <laughs> yeah, that feels like an appropriate place to start. The game wasn't as bad as we were all expecting, the Bears at least. Right. You know, had some things go their way, and they made it entertaining for the first half of the game, at least, before, you know, it turned into exactly what we were expecting all along. But the game just kind of shows you how far away the Bears are, (laughs) unfortunately. It's like you get all of your Jakeem Grant magic, and then there's Demir Bird with his long touchdown. You get a couple other nice special teams plays, and... You know, it's fun and exciting. Everyone's jumping around and singing Bear Down. And then at the end of the game, you look up and you still lost by 15 <laughs> points. I mean, you still got your ass kicked. Once Aaron Rodgers decided to turn it on and, you know, the Bears had no ability to stop them. It just goes to show what happens when you put this Bears team up against a good team. It just right. never, never ends well and it didn't again. And last week just sucked in general <laughs> because, like, you know, it's Bears-Packers, it's supposed to be exciting, it's supposed to be one of those games that you look forward to all week, and I don't know about you, but there was just absolutely no buzz in the fan base whatsoever, it felt like the most exciting Bears storyline was Tevin Jenkins decorating the Christmas tree, <laughs> so like, you know, it, it sucks when the Bears are bad, it sucks being so apathetic about the actual performance on the field, but here we are, yet again. Yeah, the the Packers game, um, like you said, it, it was fun in the first uh, in the first half. But when I was watching the game, I was like, "Wow, we're having a lot of things roll our way." Uh, it wasn't that we were that we were taking it to the pack and saying, "Hey, we can handle your defense and we can go toe to toe with you." I don't think anybody thought that was the case uh, because. Uh, the simple fact is is that 12 is playing really well this year. Um, as And as long as he's on the field, they have they have a, a chance to win any game. It's, it's that simple. Uh, of course, I could have done without uh, Collinsworth. Uh, I'm not going to say what he was going to do. But it sure seemed like he was going to do that. And uh, I just, I thought that, I thought he was just over the top with his commentary. He went on and on and on about 12. And it's like, yes, he's a great player, but don't try and make him into something he's not. There's nothing that says that he's an awesome human. It just <laughs> He's just a great football player. Yeah, there's plenty of evidence to the contrary, I think. <laughs> right, I mean, especially right. this year. It's just enough with that already. Luckily, I was watching the game at the Bears bar, so I didn't really get to hear too much of Chris Collinsworth. And it's a bummer to hear that everybody was 
so negative on the broadcast because I normally love the Sunday night football broadcast. It's, yeah. you know, a, a great team generally. I think the production value is really high. So it's too bad that apparently this week they at least didn't impress Bears fans. But like I said, I didn't have to hear any of it. So <laughs> that's good for me. Um, I still do. I still do enjoy Al Michaels. He, he's, he's an all time great. Um, however, back to the game, uh, you know, we we had some promising things happen. Grant his punt return was was beautiful. Should he have fielded the ball at the three? <laughs> That's what he does. I mean, but it it was it was it was gorgeous. Um, and he does have some serious speed. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, but you know what we've got to see is we we need to see some real hardcore consistency out of the players. We need to see stuff that when you watch the plays, you can translate in your own mind for yourself that that is something that was coached, yeah. right? They looked they've been working on this play and that and that's something that they can build off of. Um I was watching the game and you know 12 through one of his patented slants and it was like why can't we do that? Number four was was the king of them too, and it was one thing with uh, Trubisky. Trubisky was a high percentage passer uh, under ten yards in that five to six yard range. He was actually really really good, and I never understood why they didn't take more advantage of that because he had the arm strength and the grip it and rip it kind of know how to make those quick slants, but they mostly you know would put Trubisky in this spot where he had to make decisions and he was obviously not a good decision maker. Well, that's kind of what's going on with Fields right now. Fields has some incredible athletic raw ability and he has some skills, but he's also not at the point uh, either in his mindset or with the offensive line in front of him to go through a lot of progressions. Yeah, and one thing that you said there that resonated with me was just the sustainability of offensive production, right? Like, right. It was weird. Like, the first couple of drives for Green Bay, the Bears' defense was getting pressure, and I think they went three and out on the first two drives. And then on the third drive, they went down and scored a touchdown, and I turned to my buddy and I said, well, they figured that out. We're not <laughs> stopping them the rest of the night. And we pretty much didn't. I think after that, the Packers scored like on six of their last seven drives or something. Yeah. And, I mean, ugly. you, you understand why, right? I mean, when you look at the talent on this defense, there, there's not really anything to hang your hat on there. I mean, Jalen Johnson did a nice job on Devontae Adams in the first half, and then hey, the Packers made an adjustment, and they moved Adams into the slot, and Johnson didn't follow him. Oh, those picks that they were throwing, too. Wow. And, and like, so as soon as the Packers got Adams off of Johnson, Adams was open all night. Yeah. Makes sense, right, when he's getting covered by Xavier Crawford and Marquis Christian and whoever else. But, I mean, we've hit on the Bears secondary enough. Yeah. And, And like you said on the Bears offense, right, like, it's great to get the Jakeem Grant touchdown or the Demir Bird touchdown, but there's nothing in any of that that says, all right, that's a pattern for success that we can repeat going forward. It didn't help that Fields didn't play well at all, which is where I want to spend the most of our time when, when we talk about the game because 
you know, the the hope for this season was that the Bears would develop Justin Fields and that you'd have a pretty good idea that he'd kind of be the guy going right. forward. And it, it stinks to see him play a game like Sunday because he didn't play very well. Now I know he's playing with cracked ribs or whatever, and I know his receivers are bad, and I know his offensive line is bad, but some of those throws, you know, look very Cutler-esque. Yeah. Where he's just... Weird. He's got a little Cutler gunslinger in him. A little bit. I mean, you know, and some of that's a rookie, you know, making mistakes too. Sure. Like, a rookie quarterback's going to stare his receiver down. Like, he's got to learn not to do that. <laughs> wow, that one was... Yeah. Oh, the <laughs> Where pick, they zoomed the camera in on it. The <laughs> pick six. Not only did he stare the guy down the entire time, but... The throw had absolutely nothing on it either. And you're just sitting there like, oh, that is a really, really Duck. bad look. Yeah. And, like, it's it's the, the, the sad part is, like, my biggest fear going into this season, because I didn't think the Bears were going to be very good, and they have proven not to be very good. <laughs> but, you know, my, my biggest fear was we're going to waste this first year of fields. And I think we're getting dangerously close to doing that because, yep. you know, Going into the offseason, the hope is that you can say, all right, year two, we're going to build the offense around Fields, and he's going to be our guy. Like, have you seen anything this year that makes you confident that he's going to be no. great? I and, I, and I, what I want to comment on is um, Matt Nagy has has handled this entire season, starting with the beginning of the offseason, as if we were a playoff-bound team. That's how he has approached everything. That we're a good team. That we're a deep team. That we're a cohesive team. And it's like everybody else on the outside is saying, what are you seeing that we're not? Because we're not seeing any of, uh, any of that depth. We're not even seeing uh, a team that seems to know what is going on while they're on the field. And you know, to, to keep approaching each game as in you know we need this win because we're we're going to we're going to squeeze into the playoffs is ridiculous. Yeah. They need to be making every game about getting him experience. I mean the roster is awful. I mean there is no depth on this roster. None. Right? Like Cassius Marsh is not depth. <laughs> like Marquis Christian is not depth. Like, Damir Bird is not depth. Like, those are guys wearing Bears uniforms. Yeah. Like, if you want to think about depth, right, like, think about 2018. Like, go back and look at some of the reserves that were on that roster that went on to sign contracts with other teams. Like, guys like Nick Kwiatkowski or Kevin Pierre-Lewis or, (laughs) you know, Daniel Brown. Like, there were plenty of guys that came off that roster. That was his name, right? That tight end. Yeah. That Like, the guys that came off that roster that signed two, three-year contracts with other teams after 2018. Like, that's depth, having actual NFL talent at, at your, you know, second and third strings. Yep. Like, the Bears, you know, barely had 22 guys that were NFL level starters at the start of the year. And then... As as the NFL season progresses, guys get injured, and you have to dip into that quote unquote depth. 
And you see where that's left the Bears, right? I mean, there's guys out there running around on defense that I thought were retired two or three years ago, like <laughs> Bruce Irvin. Like, I literally hadn't thought about Bruce Irvin since, like, 2018. Most of the guys on here I've never heard of, and the ones I have are way past their prime. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're going down the roster with Rachel Phelps and the, the Cleveland spring training. This guy and here Williams. is dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of was my reaction when they signed Bruce Irvin. I was like, I thought that he was. <laughs> That's a perfect example. Yeah. Jason, I thought that guy was dead. Like, the best offensive lineman was on a fishing boat, like, six <laughs> days before the season started. I mean, like. And you know what? You know what's really sad about that? Is when I was watching the game the other night and he got hurt and he was leaving, I was like, oh man, Fields is going to get killed. Yeah. It's like. Like, like, there's guys on this roster that have been productive, that have been complete gifts from the football gods. Like, <laughs> imagine if Peters had come in and been horrible or gotten hurt in the first couple weeks of the season. Both very real possibilities Absolutely. when you sign a retired 39-year-old offensive lineman. Like, you, know, well, you know what's brilliant about Peters is that you can tell that the reason he's still able to do it not just from his physical talent, because obviously he sh- he showed for you know uh, twenty seasons that he he had all the talent, but the, it, he has that veteran know how that when you start your skills, your physical skills start to deteriorate, you're still able to maintain or even elevate at times simply because you know the game and the position so well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's like I said. I mean, Ryan Pace should buy him dinner at Chicago Cut or something <laughs> because if the fact that he was serviceable for most of the year, I mean, boy, imagine how bad the offensive line would have looked if we had been lining up Elijah Wilkinson or whoever at oh, left tackle. Uh, yeah, it's and, a it's a scary thought. And I mean the lack of depth in the roster, like when I talk about the Bears being far away, one of the things that I was looking at today was the record this year against playoff teams. So teams that if the season ended today would make the playoffs the Bears have played have played seven of those teams, and they're zero and seven <laughs> against teams that would make the playoffs today if the season ended. And six of those seven losses were by more than ten points. Was was the Pittsburgh the one? No, that... Pittsburgh's not in the playoffs oh. right now. So six of the seven losses were by more than ten points, and the only one that was not was the Ravens. Oh, the Ravens who yeah. had their backup quarterback and still beat the Bears at home. So. Yeah. Seven games against playoff teams, seven losses, six of those losses by more than 10 points. And just for context there, 10 points is a large margin of victory Absolutely. in the NFL. Like for, for those of you that like to gamble, go look at how many games close with spreads. Packers covered, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know that's a, uh, that's a really good point. And, and, and one more thing is that, ex- that excludes the Browns game. Oh. The, the Browns wouldn't make the playoffs today either. So yeah. that was another non-competitive loss. So, like, I don't think people really appreciate how bad this Bears team is. But like just that many non-competitive losses to good teams is just brutal. I, I think I just like permanently deleted the Browns game from, my, <laughs> from my memory. Uh, it, was, it was literally the worst coached NFL game I've ever seen in my life. And that might not even be the worst game this year. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, Tampa man. Bay that's, that's a terrible thought. But, so, um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it was not a good game. Uh, 
you know, they, but however, they are a really, the Packers, even though we don't like that team, uh, they are a good team. And uh, certainly 12 is, is showing that he's, um, he, he's going for it. Uh, they do have some competition out there, though. Uh, I, I, I don't think I would put them number one right now. Uh, in in the uh, even in the NFC, I don't know that the 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 Bucks are still really good. The Rams are still really good. Uh, you know, there's a there's a couple of teams out there that could that could hang with them. And the Vikings somehow beat them. Vikings actually went head to head with them and won. Yeah, the Vikings are, I think, a bit underrated because. I think that they have a really talented roster. They're just a team that finds ways to lose. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think, like, the Bears' last four games, I think, like, are are actually all winnable. Like, two of those last four are against the Vikings. And right. And when I say winnable, I'm not saying I think the Bears are going to win all four. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose all four. Like, the Bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL right now, but... You know, when you talk about the Vikings, they lost to the Lions, right? Like, yeah. So th- there are chances that the Bears could actually, you know, string together a couple of wins here and make their record look more respectable than it actually should be based on what I just talked about, which is their record against good teams. But, I mean, the the Vikings should beat the Bears on, on Monday. I think they're favorites by four points, if I if I remember correctly, and... You know, we'll see what happens. You know, the Vikings are also a team that loses terrible, terrible games and, you know, finds ways to lose. So we'll see, you know, how, how the Bears look. You hope that, you know, you can put together some good performances to close out the season. But, I mean, like I said, when you look at this roster, there's too many guys out there that are just not NFL players anymore. Right. You know, you have guys that are NFL players that don't appear interested, like Allen Robinson, for example, on Sunday night. Well, a collection of has-beens and never-will-bees, for sure. Um, And then Robinson, you know, that whole thing is just... It's just sad. Yeah, it really is. I mean... When you think about a guy that could have been a cornerstone for this franchise, just the way that's played out, I don't know who's to blame. There's probably fault on both sides, uh, on both between sides. the player and Absolutely. the organization. But it's just a sad story because I really, really have enjoyed his tenure as a Bear. It seems like until, until this year, it seems like he's been a guy that's gone out there and busted his ass and really? has been productive with less than ideal quarterback play yep. surrounding him, right? And, I mean, this year, I mean, it has just been a complete waste of everybody's time. I mean, the Bears gave him the franchise tag. They're paying him $18 million for this season, and they've gotten almost Nothing. no production. I mean, I don't know who's to blame for that. I mean, the, the first few games, it seemed like him and Fields weren't on the same page, and then he got hurt. And then uh, there were some plays this last Sunday where he just looked completely disinterested. And so... The fact that that's how his Bears tenure is going to end is is a sad story. And, like, you know, at this point, right, I mean, when we talk about how bad the roster is, I mean, that $18 million could have been allocated to other places, right? Yeah. Like, if you had known how this was going to play out, you could have just let him walk last year and given that money to some guys that maybe could have produced a little bit more. Well, uh, a, a GM that was really in tune with things, especially one that was head-to-head with a player over, like you said, we don't know exactly what happened. Uh, and I've gone and tried to read everything I could get my hands on. Uh, Brad Biggs, you know, he he answered that question about 8 million times. 
the thing is, is that you would think that a, a, a sharp GM would be like, this isn't going to work out. Last year, he was hot. He yeah. was red hot. And it was like, okay, so since this isn't going to work out, instead of, like you said, allocating $18 million in resources in, to him, I'm going to go and trade him right now and get something out of him while I can. Uh, you know, that's what, that's what GMs do that uh, have an overall vision of the team. Uh, to me, this is, it, we were talking about how uh, depth is built, right? And I know I've beat, I've known I've beat this drum before, but I can't let it go. And that's Adrian Amos, because that is exactly the kind of guy you build your team from. You find a guy who really performs above what his probably his ability level is, or maybe he was just underrated coming into the NFL, and he has proved himself over and over and over again. No, he's not an all-star, but the thing is is that we need lots of those guys, right? We need lots of those building block guys, and we just don't have them. You know? No, you don't, and I, I think that when, when you talk about Ryan Pace and why it's so frustrating that it sounds like the 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 way the winds are blowing is that he's going to keep his job is like this bears team is not one or two tweaks away no like when you talk about the vikings right like that's a team this year where you could say like all right they've had some bad luck losses maybe if if they get some better luck next year and if they add a couple of you know wise free agent signings and do well in the draft that's a team that could maybe be you know toward back towards the top of the nfc next year yeah like that's not the case with the bears i mean you need to completely overhaul this roster i mean when i talk about guys on the bears that are you know young building blocks that i'm actually excited about i mean i i think you, you think about fields hopefully like you said we don't really know yet right you think about roquan yep. you think about jalen johnson yep that's about it. I I actually really like Bilal Nichols too. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he, I mean, I mean he, he is the kind of guy though that we need in in our rotation, right? In our defensive line, yeah. that is the kind of guy that you go, okay, you know what? You've done a good job. We drafted you in the fifth round out of Delaware. You know, uh, you you've you've made a, a name for yourself. You're the kind of guy that we're going to give some money because we want you to stay in our organization. And I hope they do. Um, but like. The guys that I'm talking about are impact, like, right. franchise-level players. Like, I like Nichols. He's he's a good starting player. Right. But, like, guys that you would say are, like, part of, like, your core. Right. Right? Like, and Jalen Johnson was a great pick. Yeah. I mean, it's it's showing that, uh, you know, the, the talking heads all had that guy rated as a low first-rounder. Um, and there were some that actually had him as the top DB in the draft. Uh, but... Uh, you know, he had some various off the field kind of issues, and so his stuff uh, his stuff fell. But he's definitely showing that he has the skill to be a top ten DB uh, cover man in in the NFL. It was interesting because, like I said earlier, he he was on he was shadowing Adams for the first part of the game, and he was doing really well. And then when they moved Adams into the slot, that Basically, the reason that Johnson said he didn't follow him into the slot was because he's just not as knowledgeable about the roles and responsibilities of a slot corner, mm-hmm. which is understandable. He's a second-year player. It's sure. a different position. But you hope that next year, two years from now, he's the kind of guy that 
can move all around the field and can play every position in the secondary if needed. Right. But I mean, I, I, I like him a lot. He seems like a, a very nice piece and it was a good pick by Ryan Pace. But like, you know, when you go through the roster and you see like three, four guys that you're excited to build around, I mean, that's not enough. No. <laughs> so like, you know, it's, no. and, and I mean, we can talk about some of these other guys like Darnell Mooney, right? Like seems like he might be a nice player, but I think on a good NFL team, he's probably a three. Yeah, you know? he's like, probably a three. Like go to the go to the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Like you'd you'd slide him behind Tyreek Hill. You'd slide him behind Kelsey. I know Kelsey plays a different position, right? Talking about, but we all know who Kelsey is. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you you talk about guys like Sammy Watkins last year on the Chiefs, or you know, yeah. Watkins. That's a, I think that's a pretty good comparison right there, Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Uh, Watkins can bring some stuff for you. He's not. Uh, he's not going to be your consistent, ultra reliable guy. Um, he also is going to have t- uh, times where he kind of just disappears. Mooney's got some hand issues. Uh, yeah, you know. he's, he's got to clean that up, man. It's like once a game, it's, it's enough with the drops. Yeah, uh, yet another one this week. It's, I mean, we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna have him probably as the number two guy next year, even though he should be a number three guy. But um, the number one, (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, You know, that's one of the things we'll try and delve into as as we get towards April. But, um, you know, looking at the free agency list and looking at who's going to be there's going to be a huge crop in the draft, of course. But we need to we've got to score a guy uh, because the the cupboard is bare, really bare. And that's when we talk about Ryan Pace, just right. Like not only is there no depth on this roster. The Bears have no draft picks next year, and the Bears have salary cap issues. Absolutely. So, I don't know how this gets fixed, really, and I have no confidence that Ryan Pace is the guy to fix it. And, and you know, it's like, the only team that I can think of in recent, you know, NFL history that's been in this bad a shape from an overall roster and, you know, capital perspective is the Texans, Yeah, when they traded all their draft picks and... They basically had absolutely nothing around Deshaun Watson, and this, this is before the Deshaun Watson legal problems. Right, like if that's why Bill O'Brien got fired, right? It's because he completely mismanaged the roster and he made a bunch of stupid trades. And I mean, this this roster is is similarly bad. I think. I mean, you, you hope that you, you can find a way to piece it together, and you don't have to go and do a complete rebuild like the Texans are in right now, but. I mean that might be, but that where is you end a up. that is a real possibility, and that would really suck because typically your best opportunity to win a Super Bowl is when you have a rookie court, or, or sorry, when you have a really good quarterback on a rookie deal, right? Because that's when your quarterback's making the least amount of money is those first four years, so you can allocate resources to other parts of your roster. I mean, like that's what. Seattle did with Russell Wilson. That's what the Chiefs did with Mahomes. That's what it's for. That's why they created the. Uh, that's why they created the the salary cap. Um, uh, you know uh, the the salary cap list for for the first rounders because that way you didn't have to go pay Sam Bradford fifty million dollars mm-hmm. or uh, Matt Stafford for that matter. Yeah. So and and then you see when those teams sign that quarterback to the second contract, that's when they have to start making sacrifices that. <laughs> on other parts of the roster. And the hope is then that the quarterback is good enough that your offense can consistently put up points and you can take shortcuts elsewhere. But like if, if we're talking about a two, three year rebuild with the bears right now, like 
Fields rookie it's deals a scary, done at that scary point. scary thought. Yeah. It is. And that's assuming they get it right, which what in recent history has said that the Bears are going to get that right. So yeah. it's, it's a bad situation. So um, we'll have to, uh, well, you know, it'll be interesting, of course, to see how that proceeds, you know, just from right now. I mean, uh, uh, Matt Nagy obviously is a, is a lame duck coach. Um, I I. I don't know why they're even going to keep him. Probably just because they don't have, really have anybody else to put in that spot for right now. Yeah. One other thing with that is, what the hell was that punt on fourth and inches? Well, I, I have. It, it's it's been in the Twitterverse like crazy. Nobody uh, nobody understands why he did that. I don't. He he doesn't even understand why. He did it. <laughs> Seriously, he he in his press conference Monday, he basically said, "Yeah, in hindsight, I think we should have gone for that." Like. What are you thinking in the moment? <laughs> like, you you know you're probably going to get fired. You know that this is one of your last games as the coach of the Bears. Have some courage. Like he said, he he said that um he you know that uh, he he kind of did a little bit of the dance around. Well, you know uh, if we if we don't make it, they've got the ball way down on our end, and it's like who cares? Yeah. I, well, I mean. <laughs> At what point? At what? What that was happened? What had? What that had transpired in that game so far made you think that your defense was going to go out and stop Rodgers? I, I, like, I have no idea. At that point, they had put together several consecutive touchdown drives. Like, yeah. what made you think that punting it was going to get you the ball back in any sort of position to win the game? And it's like. Then hearing, like, yeah, I mean, we just probably should have done it anyway. Like, yeah, obviously you should have done it, but, like, what are you doing right now? You're he, not calling the plays anymore. I, You're I, not coaching the defense. I heard one thing from him. He said, well, if you go for it there and you don't make it, the game is over. And it's like, yeah, wasn't, you know, I understand that you were looking at it mathematically and saying to yourself, <laughs> you know, we could still do this, but really not really. I mean, no. <laughs> you, it's just like you were saying. 12 was on fire. There was no way they were going to be able to do anything with him. Adams was running wild through the yeah. fields of Elysian. You know what I mean? He, well, he, he, th- there was nothing more that they could have done. Except, but tr- except try and keep the offense off of the field. So, uh, yeah. And I've got news for you, Matt. If you go for it there and you get the first down, the game's still going to be over. <laughs> You're still not going to win because you had no chance of stopping Rodgers. If the Bears go down and score a touchdown, they're still losing. It was a two-possession game at that point. Like, the Bears weren't going to win. Like, come on, man. Like, just go out. But that's – so that goes right back to what I was saying at the beginning of the, uh, the, beginning of the podcast, that that's Nagy's approach this entire year has been – uh, you know, I got to win the game because of, you know, I, I have this, I, I have this mindset of, I've got to win the game. So we, we look better. And it's like, no, you, we don't care as fans. We've been saying this since the beginning of the season, right? Over and over and over. We don't care if you win or not. We recognize that the team is not good. What we do super care about is number one. We care greatly about number one, and that's what we want to see. We want to see number one start to come out and run an actual offense. Hey, if he throws picks, he throws picks. If he fumbles, he fumbles. If he gets sacked, he gets sacked. But run an actual offense where you're taking advantage of uh, you know spots in the defense. I mean, I got to admit, 
the bird play was a pretty good play. You know, I, I mean, I don't know how many times you can go to that well, but it was. It was a good play, right? And um, when they showed it, like, a, a few times on replay, I was like, wow, you can actually see where that was drawn up. I think they have that play on Madden. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it felt like Nagy just completely missed the mark on this season. Like, if the Bears had gone out and gone 3-14, and 14, which they might do anyway, well... <laughs> They've already won four. So they're not going to go three and 13, but they're, they're going to have a bad record. But if the Bears had done that and Justin Fields had won Offensive Rookie of the Year, fans would be calling for the Bears to give Matt Nagy a 10-year contract extension. Absolutely. Like, if it looked like Nagy and Fields were going to be this great partnership going forward... The Bears could have gone 0-17 this year, and everybody would have wanted Nagy to stick around. because I, everybody, I completely agree. Everybody recognizes that this roster sucks. Yeah. Like, everybody that had any shred of objectivity going into the season felt that the Bears were going to be a bad team. The only thing anybody cared about was Justin Fields. And if Nagy had done what I think he should have done from day one, which was give Fields control of this offense through preseason, through training camp, and then through, you know, starting him week one. And, you know, you could have gone out there and run 10% of the offense with Fields in that first week, right? Like, nobody would have cared if he had shown development, but instead you wasted all the time with Andy Dalton, and then the... You actually came on television and projected an image out to the fans that... Perhaps you even were disgruntled with them that maybe you even had malice towards him that you were that you were doing things that would make him look bad. Fans thought this and they thought it legitimately. This wasn't crackpots. There was lots of people out there. I was one of them that was starting to get on the, you know, starting to waffle a bit, but I mean there is a lot of fans out there that were just like what are you doing? Are you trying to get our guy killed already? You know, so the 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 fact that there is no no assert, no ascertainable bond there is no. there? Oh no, I don't think so. I, I mean, it doesn't even look like there's even a remote bit of communication. No, I mean, I've seen absolutely nothing to think that Fields and Nagy is the path to a sustainably awesome offense going forward, like. Fields, right? When I when I say that, you know, going into the offseason now, I'm not really, you know, sure that he's going to be a great quarterback. Like, I, I don't mean that to say that I'm, like, discouraged with him. He's shown enough flashes to make you think that the talent's there. But he's got to be coached. He's got to be put in a position to succeed. Don't run your stupid five, you know, 500-level offense that you always talked about. Like, put the kid in a position to be successful. And, you know, he might make mistakes. I mean, when you talk about all these guys, whether it's like Peyton Manning or John Elway or Troy Aikman or all these guys that started from day one, most of them really, really struggled. But they learned, they got better, and they turned out to be awesome. And, you know, we can argue until we're blue in the face about what the right approach is with a rookie quarterback. But I can tell you what it certainly isn't, and that's what the Bears did this year. And, and, and And a perfect example, again, Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning seemed like they were gathered at the they were glued together at the hip i mean there's very few times when you see a bond that that's close bill belichick and tom brady right i mean those were those were 
times where you see the mentor and the student. And it's like, you listen to me, kid, and I'm going to take you places. There's none of that. Well, think about like Sean McVay and Jared Goff recently. And I know Jared Goff's not any good, but... McVay recognized that, and if you remember, like when McVay took over the Rams, they would like get up to the line with like thirty seconds left on the clock, yep. so that McVay could actually tell Goff in his headset what the defense was doing, like <laughs> because he knew that he couldn't recognize it. But McVay is such a smart offensive mind, and just for the reason for that is that the NFL rules allow you to talk to the quarterback in the headset until 20 seconds left on the clock, I think. So they would get up to the line. McVay would tell Goff, this is the formation. This is your read. Like, contrast that to the way Nagy's handled Justin Fields. Unbelievable. Like, have we heard anything like that? Like, sometimes you have to, you know, hold these guys' hands a little bit their first couple years in the league. And what did Nagy do? I mean, the Field's first start in the league was that Cleveland game yep. with that ridiculous game plan that just got him killed, right? Yeah. Like, so just, you know, part of your... Another another good example uh, is um, when I'll never, I'll never downplay this because I thought it was absolute, absolutely brilliant, was Pete Carroll uh, drafting Russell Wilson and they went and spent all that big money on Matt Flynn. Yeah. And and Carol was like got into training camp and was let, you know letting him trade up a little bit and he was just like I don't care how much they paid Flynn Russell Wilson is my guy period yeah. and, and that and that was it that was it finito he is my guy and that kind of worked out okay yeah uh, and won what one Super Bowl went to another one yeah have been in the playoffs every year for a decade uh, with a third rounder yeah so I mean. You, you hear examples all the time of coaches adapting what they do to fit their young quarterback, and we've seen the opposite. And, you know, that that's going to be what I remember Matt Nagy for, I think, is just a complete inability to adjust to the game that's happening in front of him. Yeah. And I think that, like I said, I mean, the, the field's mismanagement will hopefully, you know, not haunt the Bears for years to come, but it's unfortunate that... Nagy was so stubborn or so incompetent or some combination of the two to actually understand that the key to him staying here was showing progress with Justin Fields this year. We haven't seen it. There's four games to go. I mean, the schedule's easier for the last four, so maybe we'll see Fields put up some great performances, but I think I've seen enough of a body of work from Nagy to, to definitively say he's not the guy. Correct. So, so we're nice. going to, so it, on that particular yeah, nice, tip right about there, that transition? Exactly. This Excellent transition. Is becoming more professional as the weeks go by. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of, uh, so Jim and I had discussed talking about, um, head coaches, as I uh, said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, it's something that obviously is going to be on the tongues of every Bears fan, uh, not to mention the media as well. Uh, who are they going to look at? Who are they going to bring in? And so we just pulled up, we pulled up three guys today. And so we're going to go with the first one, and that is Byron Leftwich, the former NFL quarterback uh, and uh, current offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so like this is an interesting coaching cycle, right? Because... There's a lot of guys whose names are 
floating around as, you know, up and coming candidates or guys that maybe are getting looked at for their second job, right? Yeah. And I have concerns about pretty much every one of them. And in some cases, the concerns may be unfair, but I think they're things that you need to consider. And I think it's things that good organizations would consider, not mm-hmm. necessarily the Bears. So, you know, last week we talked about Harbaugh and McDaniels, right? And right. I, I think, you know, Harbaugh, I just don't think is going to happen. And McDaniels has some, you know, marks on his permanent record that I think would make a lot of NFL teams cautious when hiring him, right? So, like, we kind of, when we talk about Byron Leftwich, he's been the offensive coordinator for the Bucks for three years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he had a long career as a player. And before he was the OC for the Bucks, he was a coach for the Cardinals, right? So he hasn't been a coach for a super long time, but he's had a lot of experience in the NFL. And the thing that would concern me about him is that he really became a hot coaching candidate when Tom Brady got there, right? And, you know, not that that's his fault. Obviously, your offense is going to get better when Tom Brady shows up, but it's a little difficult to tell where Brady ends and where coaching begins, right? Like, if you think about the classic example of this, it's Adam Gase, who became a really hot coaching candidate when Peyton Manning arrived in Denver. And it came out that basically Peyton Manning was the one running the (laughs) offense, right? Like, Manning literally came in and told the coaches where he wanted cameras during practice. He told them what plays he wanted to run. He told them how to plan an offense. And, you know, when you're talking about a guy like Tom Brady that's got so much experience, you know... We know he did some of that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's got a way that he runs things. And he's an incredibly accomplished quarterback. So, it may be unfair to Leftwich. I mean, he point-blank went and got... Uh, Antonio Brown yeah. and and Gronk entirely on his own. He just like told them, "Hey, go get them." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> go get them. This is how I want to use these guys. Yeah. I'm going to be responsible for making sure that they stay in line. Right. Yeah. That's more of a concern with Brown than with Gronk, obviously. Right. But you know, Brady is definitely a major part of that offense. Now, Byron Leftwich could be an awesome coach. Yeah. It's just hard for me to delineate him from Brady in that regard, right? And also when you have a really, really accomplished head coach in Arians. Yep. You know, I don't know that that's necessarily fair to him, but, you know, it's definitely something to consider. And definitely when we talk about the Bears, I have no confidence in them to ask the right questions to understand where one ends and the other begins. Yeah. But, you know, it's a guy that would be exciting. It's just I definitely am wary of the Brady factor in this So So uh, what I'm... What I'm liking about him and he is he's crawling up my list um the 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 pro is i like uh how much offensive knowledge this guy has right um he's been a quarterback for a long time we're talking when he was at marshall he was he was playing with some pretty great guys you know uh and not to mention uh, you know some other good guys happen to come out of marshall at that particular uh time period uh and um, he, he actually, you know, did a good job at, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were not a good organization. Um, but he, he made him look, he, he made him look pretty good. Uh, he's, uh, he's doing a good job now. Uh, I mean, uh, you're right. It's hard to tell where Brady, uh, ends and, and left, which begins, but right there again, we were talking about the bond, right? 
there must be some bond there because if if it wasn't, it would be dysfunctional, and it certainly doesn't seem that way, you know. Um, and Brady, to me, uh, one of the things I've always liked about him is he's always seemed like a consummate professional, mm-hmm. and I believe that um, he delivers the kind of respect that he gets, yep. and, and vice versa, right? So you're if you're about him. Uh, being a better player, he's about you, about being a better coach. And um, I, I have a feeling that, that they have that kind of uh, – and and making that is not easy, right? Well, I think if they didn't, he, then Leftwich wouldn't be there, right? Exactly. Like, when you've got Bruce Arians and you've got Tom Brady, if you're not – if you're not living up your end of the bargain, they're going to get rid of you really quickly. Which yeah, you're not on board. Get get out. Yeah, which, by the way, brief brief tangent, but uh, the Bears could have hired Bruce Arians a few years ago and elected <laughs> to hire uh, Mark Trestman. So yeah. that, you know, is... Uh, that, that was another that bungle right so, there. So Arians might tell Leftwich... Uh, hey man, if you want to wait around here a couple more years, you, you'd be able to be the head coach at Tampa, and you don't have to go deal with the McCaskey idiocy. But anyway, you know. So you know, left, left. The one thing about left twitch too is like if 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 Brady, you know, is is running things more than a normal quarterback would. I think it says something about left twitch that he's willing to, you know, let him do that. Right? Like I think about Matt Nagy. I think about just annoying stubbornness right yeah. like if this guy's able to adapt what he wants to do that's certainly a feather in his cap so like i said he might be an awesome coach i you know i'm certainly willing to you know consider him but you know i think the brady concern is is there too so uh the uh the other con i have is simply experience yeah his his resume is thin um he that is certainly a problem with Nagy. uh Nagy, he he was not ready for this job uh, he was overhyped um, uh, coming out of the uh, the uh, out of the Andy Reid tree, um, and they uh, our management goes back to our management. They should have been able to recognize that you know what this guy's not ready for this yet. He could be um, someday, but he's not right now. And instead, we took a, a, a guy who tried to learn on the job and really didn't have the knowledge and the, and the experience to do that job. And I, I, that is one thing that makes me leery of, of Leftwich is that he does seem like he has it together, but going up to that next level is a huge step, right? It, and it's, it's like when you go up that hierarchy, each step gets bigger, right? Yeah. Uh, and he he took a big step. He went from a quarterbacks coach to interim o, OC, and then to OC. And you know, like we were saying, you know, he probably ha- he he's got to have some kind of dynamic going with Tom Brady, and things are going well. But making that leap from the to the next level, big big leap, it's so. huge. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that was the the one of the things with Nagy too. In hindsight, is he got the job because of the. Alex Smith offense, right? It's right. Like, can we say that Nagy had a ton to do with that, or is that all Andy Reid, right? Like, the same concern exists here. Like, the thing with Leftwich is he played in the NFL for 10 years, so yep. I, I think he maybe is more of uh, or has maybe more leadership experience in an NFL locker room than Nagy does, but yeah, I mean... Four, I would I would agree with that. Four or five years as a coach is not much, so right. I think we've hit on the concerns with Leftwich. I mean, yeah. I, I would be excited if I, I'd be excited to give him an interview. Like he's definitely one of the guys that stands out that's at the top of the list. So uh, let's go to the whispers have been swirling about former Bear Leslie Frazier. <laughs> 
And uh, I gotta say, I'm not real excited about it. Um, no. He uh, he really was a, a failure uh, as the head coach of the Vikings. Um, I, you know that's that's one that's one thing, Jim. You know we we get in tune with the purple whether we want to or not, simply because we're surrounded by them. And uh, he, he was he was definitely not good here. Um, I he is a defensive minded coach. Uh, I think that's where he needs to stay. Uh, he, he's, I think that he is one of those coaches that, as we were just saying, that big leap up to the top spot is too big for him. I think he's more a coordinator, and uh, he, can, he can run that defense for you. Uh, let him run that defense, and, and, he'll, and he'll run it well, but I don't see him as a, as a head coach again. Yeah, I mean, with with Leslie Frazier, when the rumors started to, you know, come out that the Bears are considering him, I was kind of surprised because, like, why? Yeah, right? like it exactly. just it just seems so unimaginative and uninteresting to me. Like, it would feel like a very John Fox type of move, right? Yeah. Like, you know, kind of like an a Brad over- Childress move. Yeah, like kind of like an overcorrection, right? Like you're going from Nagy, who was inexperienced and you know couldn't adjust, and now you're going to hire Leslie Frazier, who's got a ton of experience. But you know, like you said, I mean, he was the head coach of the Vikings for three years. I think they made the playoffs once, once. yeah, lost in the first round. I mean, so I mean, I don't have a ton of like strong thoughts on Leslie Frazier as an actual head coach. Honestly, I don't really remember his tenure with the Vikings all that well. I mean, it's just like, it would feel bizarre to me to say, we're going to draft Justin Fields, and then we're going to hire a 64-year-old defensive coordinator as the head coach. It just doesn't feel like a match. And it would also just kind of feel like kind of a classic bears hire like hey we're gonna hire this guy that used to play here that we've got this connection to it's like i don't know there's just not much i mean i could see i could see hiring him as a as a defensive coordinator but no you know he's not gonna make a lateral move no and i mean by the way it's not like the bills defense has been any good this year so like he has a lot of talent on that on that defense too yeah i mean like they just lost a game to the patriots where the patriots threw the ball like twice so <laughs> yeah, like right. you know <laughs> that that's probably unfair to, to to disqualify him based on that one game but yeah i mean there, yeah but that was pretty bad yeah like there's there's really nothing about leslie frazier that's exciting or interesting to me as the head coach unfortunately right you know. I, I i'm i'm in agreement with that i, so, I don't want a defensive head coach in general and if, if we were going to get one I'd, I'd want one that a young exciting mind more, yeah. yeah maybe like maybe todd Bowles. Right. Yeah. I mean. So we'll we'll, we'll go into him uh, next week. We'll 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 put him on the list for next week. So we're gonna do one more real quick. We're gonna do Mr. Brian Dayball. So we're going. We're getting both Bills coordinators. Yeah. And now I was going through Dayball's uh, resume, and it's pretty damn impressive. I gotta say, uh, one thing um, he's worked uh, in a lot of uh, a lot of different programs, and the. The thing that I keyed on, though, is he's worked with a lot of offensive positions. You know, he's been a wide receivers coach. He's been a tight ends coach. He's been a quarterbacks coach. He's been OC. Uh, 
that's the kind of layering that I think really gives you in-depth knowledge about running uh, an offense. Yeah, the problem with him is that this year has been a down year for Buffalo. So he's the Buffalo offense coordinator, right? So like going into the year, he was a really hot candidate because the Bills had a really good year last year and Josh Allen's awesome and their offense was performing really well. And then this year they've taken a bit of a step back. But you know, Al, the way I understand it, Allen's numbers, I haven't looked at them in a while, are still pretty darn good. And he played well this Sunday against yeah. Tampa Bay. So maybe, you know, we'll look back in a few weeks and the Bills' offense will have put it together and they'll have had a successful playoff run and we'll be thinking differently about Brian Dayball. Like you said, I mean, like, very experienced. I like that he has coached under Sean McDermott, who's... Yeah. Uh, it seems like a really good head coach, and he's coached a lot of other places too. I mean, he even coached at Alabama for a year, and I'm mm-hmm. always a fan of guys observing how Nick Saban runs a program. Um, you know, coached under Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that, and and right in a row. Yeah, and it's a guy that's definitely worked his way up the ladder, right? Like it's kind of the opposite of of Leftwich in that regard. And you know, the question then becomes, I mean. All right. Do you think that that translates to being the head coach of an NFL team? I mean, you know, it, it seems like this guy's, you know, experienced. I, I honestly hadn't given him much thought before a couple of years ago, but I mean, he's a hot candidate. If Buffalo turns it around this year and has a has a good playoff run, he's definitely a guy that's probably going to get a job. So, you know, we'll we'll see. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I just the like I said. The part that uh, uh, that draws me in is just uh, the layering that he has, uh, the uh, the experience that he has, and who he has that experience with. Um, one person that we didn't mention, uh, you know, he was with the Chiefs for uh, a year. That means he has some, you know, some time with uh, Andy Reid. Uh, so, I mean, this is a he is a, a very experienced individual. Um, and he's worked through most of the uh, most of the positions that you can work on that side. Um, to me, this is not this is a guy that is isn't going to be sitting there saying I'm supposed to be calling the plays. And if if I'm not calling the plays, they're still going through me anyway. Yeah, you know. Y- yeah, I uh, I definitely would be in favor of whoever the next head coach is not calling offensive plays. I've, I've seen enough of that from Nagy. And he's um, only 46 years old. So, um, And we might see a really interesting thing with Brian Dayball this week because apparently Josh Allen's injured and might not play this Sunday, which you know what that means. Yeah. We're getting a nice, uh, nice uh, Sunday viewing of Mitch Trubisky on display. <laughs> so if Trubisky goes out there and – has clearly learned some things under Brian Dayball. Maybe that's uh, another feather in his cap compared to Matt Nagy. So, I don't know. He's another interesting one. Um, I, you know, don't feel... Good for Trubisky. I hope he plays well, yeah. I mean, I don't feel as strongly about Brian Dayball as I do some other candidates. I I just, you know, I I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's in Buffalo, and I, I don't follow them as closely as I do right. some other teams but I, I, I do like him as a candidate um we'll have to see you know how that proceeds it it's it looks though it, to me he looks like somebody that is going to get a spot yes he, he is going to get a head coaching spot yep. somewhere I agree. because there's just too much there 
to ignore that, you know. Um, he's actually he's only forty six. Uh, yeah, with that resume, I would have guessed I, he was in his right, 50s. But. Right. Uh, I mean, he's really been uh, with uh, some uh, some titans. Uh, if 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 you really look uh, at that, and that is the kind of stuff that gives you uh, that leader that leadership that you can't that you got to be around to absorb um, instead of. Uh, trying to learn about it, you gotta you gotta be around that so you can see it happen in real time. Yeah, and uh, I mean, five time Super Bowl champion. <laughs> that's not too bad. Uh, no, I think those are all with the Patriots. But if I, uh, if I look, but it, 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 like you said, that means he was also working closely with Tom Brady. Yep. You know, and uh, uh, Brady's pretty good, right? Yeah. So I mean, Belichick disciples can struggle. So. The nice thing is, is that there's some diversity there. He's coached other places. Right. Looks like Belichick brought him back. He served two stints with the Patriots. So, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Um, yeah. You know, I, you know, the big concern here is that the Buffalo offense hasn't looked as good this year. But right. maybe that's you know not his and fault. There's the, now, know. as far as that team is concerned, they still got a lot of football to play, though. Yep. I mean, they're they. they I don't think uh, anybody out there would say you know that they're not a, a legit team to really do well in the playoffs they 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 certainly could of course if they don't have their if they don't have their quarterback that's going to make a big difference but that that has to do with injuries not with coaching ability so um okay so i think uh i think that's uh, it for the 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 coaching corner uh this uh, this week any thoughts Um, on bears vikings (laughs) so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh about the purple dinks um i you know i i i just you know, it's it's just another it's another game against a team that uh, we usually play pretty close, right? And it is at Soldier Field, so they don't exactly have uh, the best uh, the best record there. Um, I would just you know I'm just like everybody else. I just want to see Fields get out there, uh, try and make some plays, uh, try and run an offense, a legitimate offense. Uh, and see the defense come out and uh, try and slow things down. Now, it's going to be a real challenge for them uh, because the Vikings have two of the best receivers in the league, and they got a great running back, too. Uh, you know, for all the crap that Kirk Cousins takes, he's a pretty solid quarterback, and um, he's got good guys to throw the ball to. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings seem to play pretty much every game within like a field goal right yeah no matter who they're playing like they're just a team that seems to play to their level of competition and you know part of that is cousins like the thing with cousins is you can you can rattle him if you get after him right and he's kind of got a little bit of he gets happy feet yeah and he's got a little bit of cutler in him where like once things start going downhill they they, really they continue right but the problem is i don't think this bears defense has enough playmakers to get him into that downward spiral right and one thing you can say about cousins is when he's on he's really on i mean he's a you know really good quarterback when things are going right and when things are not he can look really bad this game's kind of giving me flashbacks, though, because this was one of my favorite Bears games. This was, like, 10 years ago, and it was kind of like this. It was a Monday night game. It was, like, weeks 15 or something, and the Bears were out of it. And the Vikings, I think, I think this was the really good year with Favre. 
and they that came was, to town. And was that Cutler? Yeah, that was Cutler. I remember first, that game. Cutler's first year, and you know, yeah. that was the Devin Aroma Shadu game. <laughs> oh, that's right. There's like a, I think Peterson like had like a late fumble, and then the game went to overtime, and the Bears won. But it was kind of one of those games where it's like the Vikings were like twelve and two, and the Bears were like six and eight or something and the bears ended up winning like this game like this is kind of our last chance for like an upset win this right. year like the the last three games it's like seattle the giants and then like the the bears are coming back here to minnesota like those are, are not really games that i'm interested in like so like this is like the last chance at like soldier field for like a nice interesting win I don't know if the Bears have it in them. I, I think the Vikings are way better. But yeah. like I said, I mean, the Vikings find ways to lose. And they find ways to play bad <laughs> games. So, you know. Well, though, the, one of the things that will be tough, though, is uh, the breakdown of, of the long pass plays that happens. It seems to happen every single game. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, um, I mean, it, it, it sounds kind of silly, but... If if I was Kirk Cousins, I'd be trying to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson every single play. Or I mean, I'd just be like, Justin, just go out somewhere, and I'm just going to throw you the ball and go get it. Yeah, between Jefferson and Thielen, I know Thielen's been hurt. I don't know if he's going to play, but if if those two are out there, like whichever one Jalen Johnson's not covering should be, <laughs> should be open every single play. And then you also have Dalvin Cook, and the Bears have not been good against the run this year, so the Vikings clearly have the talent to beat the Bears easily. Like, they should score every time against this defense. Vikings are also going to be coming off. They're going to have a long break because they played on Thursday last week, and now their next game is going to be on Monday, so they're kind of getting, like, a mini-bye. And, you know, the Bears, obviously, coming off that Packer game, are banged up, and it sounds like I think Roquan's hurt again. So, you know, they're they're outmanned from a talent standpoint. I, I, I don't see the Bears winning, but the Vikings are weird so there's a chance and it's monday night football at soldier field it's a spot that you know you'd hope the bears show up for we'll see and one and you know uh another part of it is just watching the kid right Mm -hmm. um he he has played in some seriously big time games and and ruled so uh he was awesome on monday night in pittsburgh yeah you know i i just i want to see more of that you know whether they win or lose i'm really not concerned about it but what i want to see is i want to see that kid come out there underneath the lights and and pump up the team a little bit they do seem to really respond to him maybe that's just in my head but i feel like they recognize him as the go-to guy and uh when he's out there he stands tall i like it yep and, you know, the Vikings, they'll let you put up some yards on them. I mean, like we said, they lost to the Lions. So, <laughs> any given Sunday, this is probably the last game that the Bears can, like, kind of pretend to be in things, right? Like, I don't know what the Bears, the, the odds are that the Bears will make the playoffs. It's probably, like, 1% or 2%. But, like, if you lose one more game and you're at 10 losses, then that drops to zero. Right. Like, you're eliminated at that point, so... This is, you know, the last game, I think, where they can still kind of kid themselves into saying they're playing for anything. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean... Uh, you know, though, one thing, uh, there will be pressure on, on Minnesota simply because they do need this Oh, this win. is a must-win game for yeah. them. And yeah. And so, um, maybe we come out a little loose, a little a little relaxed. You know, the, the pressure is off because, uh, I mean, the players know that it's not happening. But um, 
there Minnesota does, especially Mike and Mike Zimmer. Zimmer has to be doing whatever he can to get those teams ready because his job's on the line too. Yeah, right? he, I mean he could be he could be the guy just like Lovey who took him to the playoffs and then got fired. Well, yeah, I mean the Vikings. I mean they might not even make the playoffs. They're on the outside looking in right now, so they need every game. I mean the other the other thing about this game is like is there going to be anybody at Soldier Field? <laughs> like, <laughs> why would you go to this game? Like it's going to be Monday night. It's going to be cold. It's Soldier Field, and the Bears fans come out no matter what. They do. I I, I, I went I went and saw the Bears play. Uh, the uh, the Texans in um, about 2002, maybe. And it was 15 degrees below zero that day. And I was drinking, I, I would buy a beer and it would turn into a beer slushy after about two <laughs> drinks. And I didn't care. I was still loving every single second of it. And and the and the the field the the fans really didn't start to clear out until about the fourth quarter, and that's because the the, the team just didn't play very well. So, <laughs> Shocking. But, well, but um, I know my friend but, I know my friend Melissa who listens to our podcast every week is going to be there, and she, but she's a Vikings fan. So, <laughs> hey, shout, Melissa, shout have fun there. at Soldier Field anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's a good time, even though it's probably not. It's be Monday a very Night good Football game. in Chicago. I mean, think about what you get to do after that, you know. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you get to go out and party. Exactly, exactly. So, all right. Well. So, uh, anyway, um, uh, that's about it for us. So, I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, thanks for another uh, edition of Bearscat. Uh, bear yeah. down. Yeah. Thanks for listening.